Hi, this is Jamie from Calibrated Power Solutions. Just want to take a moment of your time and thank you, the listener, for your loyalty and your obligation listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. To show our appreciation, we're offering a 5% coupon to be used on any order from now until the end of the month. Simply mention thank you when you call 815-568-7920. Ask from one of our sales associates, Chris, Danny, Jim, or Paul, and remember to mention thank you. That's 5% off, 5% off any order by calling 815-568-7920. The Diesel Performance Podcast contains explicit language. Thank you for joining us again. This is Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Had some great episodes here lately, huh, Danny? A lot of fun in this studio. Man, we're always bringing our best effort. I mean, uh, you don't know this yet, but I put out another Facebook Live today for pre-recording. I already saw it. Oh, you did see it. Okay, good, good. Um... Lift pump episode, you and Chris Emke, great job. Yeah, we beat the lift pump episode down pretty hard. Yeah, or at least a mediocre performance at the very minimum. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Uh, We did also recently have on KJ, uh, the Diesel Power Magazine editor. I thought that was an awesome episode. That was some great insight to kind of some of the behind the scenes, somebody who's inherited that project and now has to run with it for a long period of time. So that was really good stuff and Yes, I hear you, KJ. How would you do that test? Um, okay. <laughs> uh, 30K budget build has been blowing up our Facebook feed. And it's just been awesome, hasn't it, Danny? Huge. I really want to build this truck. I want to buy an 06 um, and put it up to 950 horse just like I did in the build. I, I I will say it was really funny to me to see how many guys got on the post and wrote about how a 6-liter or a 12-valve would crush it in this competition. I kept telling them, you need to listen to the episode. I would never pick one of those two. Maybe a 12-valve, but I would never pick a 6-0 to win it. So you got to know the judge, guys. You got to know the judge and know why I'm biased. Um, <laughs> Maybe we need to qualify our judge. Yeah, we do We do definitely need a more, <laughs> a more unbiased judge if we want that. Um, all right. Uh, I did also want to say a big shout out to the Pulling Radio Network. Monday nights, they are now live broadcasting the Diesel Performance Podcast. If you've never checked them out before, simply hit Google search Pulling Radio Network and you will find all of the information that they have. They actually have a ton of stuff on sled pulling. So if you're into it, check them out. It's pretty cool. Our episode's going to be on there. Yeah. Don't forget about Caleb McKinney. We had him last week. Caleb McKinney last week. So that just went out. That, that's going out live today, uh, which is why it didn't make my notes. Great call. Caleb McKinney, what a blast. Caleb, I, I am sorry. I, I did kind of – I went crazy. If you didn't listen to that episode, I want you to go back and check it out. Paul – um, got really caught up with all the blogs you've been doing, and you just spewed all over this guy, and it was awesome to hear. Yeah, a little, little bit of passion came through on that one, a little bit of info dump on, on why not to delete. Uh, but but Caleb was a great guy. He was a great sport about it. I really feel like feel like he did take the intent there, which was just to educate. It did come off a little little passionately as, no, we, and as we listened to the outtake on it. We were like, ugh. Yeah, I would step in if it was false. If that yeah. information that you said was completely false, I would have stepped up and said something. But you, my jaw was on the ground. Oh, that was. <laughs> and then, of course, guys, Danny and I have been writing a lot of articles for the Diesel Tuners blog. Go to DuramaxTuner.com, click on Diesel Tuners blog. That'll take you over. You can read all the articles we write about. You can see all the stuff we talk about and we research and we do. That's outside of the podcast. We'd really love you guys to get involved on that stuff. But today, enough with all of that nonsense. Today, we get to have some fun, huh, Danny? Are you going to take it easy on our guests today? Because I'm pretty uh, sure it'd take you. 
I don't know. <laughs> Today, we're so great, grateful to have Phil Grandinetti. Thank you so much, Phil. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks Man. for having me. I appreciate it. That's the Phil. first time we got a round of applause for our guests. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, uh, give us a little bit of your background. Well, why are you here today? Well, I'm the service manager for CPS, and my background is I, I worked as a dealer technician for over 30 years, uh, specializing in transmissions. I'm a certified transmission specialist or, or master technician in transmissions for GM, and I'm a certified master technician with ASE. So I'm here to give my opinion, I guess, on you know on the subject we're talking about. He says it so humbly. You're here because you're an expert, Phil. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows his stuff. He's like, you know, I can just give my opinion, right, because I would love to hear your opinion. But Phil, before we get started on anything serious, talking P0700, Alice in troubleshooting today with you. Tell me how you got your start in diesel performance. Actually, I didn't get a start in diesel performance until just recently, actually, like probably within the last six, seven years, and when I met Nick. Really? Yeah. A um, friend of mine or mutual friend of all of ours is uh, Brett, and uh, I worked with him, then worked for him, but he's always been into diesel trucks. And the best way I can... Describe this as working for GM on diesel engines, on trucks. I started in 1979, so I was involved in all the diesels they put in Cadillacs, Oldsmobiles, Buicks, light pickup trucks, and those diesels weren't very good. They were terrible. Right. <laughs> they were prone to fail. So as a technician, so we, were, we spent all of our time working on those. I mean, we were just, just the lots would be full of dead diesels. So... You, you develop a real deep-seated hate to, for them, you know. So um, later on when they came out with the 6.2, 6.5, they actually had a truck engine in them. It was better, but it still had a lot of failures, and they were, you know. So, um, but Duramax came out. I left the dealer in 06. So Duramaxes have been out for five, six years at that point. We really hadn't seen any failures on them to speak of, nothing major. So I didn't have a lot of background in them, didn't really have an opinion on them. I still probably hated them. And uh, then I started hanging out with Brett. He had an 01 that he had had a lot of work done to. And I gained respect one night at the drag strip. He towed a friend of ours' car up in a big trailer with his truck. I brought my car up there. He unhooked his truck from the trailer ran faster than my car, hooked his truck back up to the trailer, and towed it home. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm paying attention. So I've done a lot of work on Brett's trucks. I've done a lot of work on Duramaxes throughout the years since then and done a lot, wor lot of work with Nick. Um, I was one of the guys that helped build the uh, Apache Max, and uh, that's pretty much my story. Yeah, I was going to say, two of my favorite trucks that I've ever seen built with CPS or Duramax Tuner, Phil's been involved with that, of course, being the Apache Max, the 58 Apache on an 03 Duramax built for sled pulling, and Brett Keel's truck, which is my all-time favorite truck. Yeah. It is a regular cab, short bed, two-wheel drive with a nasty set of twins running low tens. Has he busted the nines yet? Not yet. He Not ran yet. Uh, 1023 this last weekend at the diesel at diesel days of Byron. Cold day in a driver mod. That thing's got nines in it, no question. Yep. 
Uh, driver mod. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, don't listen to the podcast. I can get away with saying that stuff. I wouldn't say it if he was here. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. What is he like? <laughs> He's like six foot eight, man. He like crushed you like a bug. But if you run into a driver's mod, at least pick me. <laughs> Danny, you had some pretty good times this weekend. You got to pull out in the Colorado, huh? Yeah, I was racing the 2.8, and I was telling people, don't be hating when I'm 2.8. <laughs> He's been waiting since Saturday, <laughs> Saturday to Friday, for you that line to get it into a podcast. I oh, love man. it. The 2.8, I, I was I was whole shot and deleted LMLs, and they would pass me after like you know five six hundred feet, but. I was getting that tree on him. You yeah. you did tree just about everybody you lined up against. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was nice when we watched the other deleted Colorado there run within within half a second of your time and you were kind of kicking around the idea the only thing they deleted was a warranty. I thought that was <laughs> 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 And a deleted 2.8 four-cylinder sounded like garbage. Garbage. Oh, oh my it was God. terrible, wasn't it? Worst sound ever. But Phil, you got to, did you hear it too? Did yes, I did. Oh, yes, I just, did. Just awful. Don't get sound, me started. Sounded like a long, nasty fart. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But, Phil, we are here today to talk about P0700 codes and Allison transmissions. I love the Allison. Um, I know a lot about it. We've had on the guys from Suncoast before, both Andrew Murdoch when he was with them and um, Dallas Penn. Dallas Penn, absolutely. We've talked to several other guys. Can you just give us a quick overview? Why is the How is the Allison different than other pickup truck transmissions or diesel pickup truck transmissions? Primarily, it's a, it's a purpose-built truck transmission. It's built to be behind a diesel. It's built to withstand the torque that diesels produce. Um, typically, other brands use a transmission that's a, a version of a gas engine or, or even a light truck or car transmission. So, you know, from the get-go, when they introduced the, the, the Duramax with the Allison, it's, it's been a good combination. It's been strong and reliable. Yeah. I always feel like one of the things we hear guys love about the Allison is how smooth it shifts. And that's because of its clutch-on, clutch-off strategy, as opposed to some of the older models that had progressive clutch strategies. Right. And, right. And, what, yeah, with the Allison, it has to release a clutch and apply a clutch to make the next gear change. So the from the beginning they were defueling the shift points so it smooths everything out yeah and that really is i mean when you drive one you really can feel the difference between the old style and the new style of transmissions where you're getting this feeling that all the power's on the ground that you're getting clear gear changes but it's smooth you know it, it clicks off the shifts as you go down the road it's not a big dramatic to do except for under some some certain circumstances and they keep getting better i feel like Every time they come out with a new um, type of motor, I feel like the transmissions improve too. Yeah. Yeah, there have been a few changes throughout the year. So 01 to 05, they ran the five-speed. That's powered by an AL5 TCM, which is an RPO code for the actual computer that runs that transmission. Then in 06 to 2009, it was a six-speed with an A40. And then around 2009, 2010, it was still a six-speed, but they put an A50 controller with it. They look identical. You'd never mm -hmm. be able to tell the difference. Um, when the LMLs came out, they beefed up the transmission. So the 2011 and newer, those are definitely all A50s. And they're a beefier transmission. We find that they can hold more power every every time they come out with a new system. So the 01 to 05s, I would say they're good up to right around 400 horsepower to the rear wheels, measured yeah. on the dyno here at Duramax Tuner. Yeah, stock up to, up to about 400 horsepower. Um, and then the six speeds, they're good to about 430. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about an LBZ or an LMM, 
And then the LMLs, they could take 550, maybe start squeaking that torque converter around 600 horsepower in an LML. It is still a six-speed, but, but yeah, right. it's, it, it can handle more power for sure. Yeah, they refined it. You yeah. know, they, they've uh, applied clutches with more pressure and they have more clutch material. So, they, you know, they just keep improving it every year. They they make the change. It's a, a real good change. It's definitely noticeable and longevity-wise, it's made a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Nice rundown on the years, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of those things that we try to remember because, again, Danny and I do get to talk to people about them every day or go out and race them on the weekends or sled pull in Danny's case more often than not. Uh, and... We are going to dive back in with Phil and talk more about the P0700 trouble code, the symptoms, the problems, and the solutions right after a word from our sponsor. We want to give Nick Pregnitz from Calibrated Power a chance to tell you more about custom tractor tuning. If you operate a farm or know someone who does, we think you're going to like what he has to say. We've been talking a lot about our tractor calibrations lately, and it's for a very good reason. We're helping farmers like Warren Newman of Winnebago, Illinois, realize that upgrading through calibrated powers tuning makes sense for any operation where the bottom line matters. And you can get these same results for yourself with our power manager. In just minutes, you can tune your tractor. There's no downtime, no labor charge like with some of our competitors' products. It's easy to install, but that's not the whole story. Our tractor calibrations work within the manufacturer's powertrain specifications. So unlike our competitors, we don't fool the tractor's computer. It still has full control over the fuel usage and can accurately track fuel usage during operation. Our tuning method delivers calibrated power. The message is in our name. For a given fuel rate, there's an appropriate amount of boost, appropriate amount of timing, fuel pressure, pilot injection, and emission systems performance. When you're using our competitors' products that are simply adding fuel to the mix, you don't get those benefits. You don't get the extra boost. You don't get the extra timing. So you run into long-term reliability issues, piston failures, emission systems failures. There's a reason that the factory uses a calibration to upgrade a tractor through the series. It's because it's the most effective way at managing the combustion parameters, period. For Warren Newman, it means operating in a higher gear, more than a mile an hour faster, and in a lower rev range. That's efficiency that you can see in action. I used to burn over a half a gallon to the acre, and now I'm burning about a third of a gallon to the acre. So it's made a big change. I mean, you do 300 acres in a day, and you burn, you know, not quite a quarter, but, you know, that makes a lot of difference. It's a tuner. It's It's not like you're chipping it or doing something that's like that, so I think that's better for it than what, you know, you get into it like a Steinbauer or something like that, where it's, you're just chipping it, you ain't, you ain't actually tuning the motor. Unlike hardware modifications, our calibrations can be easily removed and the stock calibration can be restored with a simple reflash. Our calibrations have the potential to help any operation with a tractor under load save money and time. Give us a call today and ask about our tractor tunes and see how they can make a difference in your farming operation. 815-568-7920. All right, Phil. So we're back and we're talking about Allison problems. Okay. Okay. So it's really common to have like a newer truck and never have an issue with it. But on some of the older, especially the five speeds, there's some real common problems, and we even see that after guys are turning the power up and giving some some use and abuse to their trucks, that they're finding some of these problems on the six-speed stuff as well. So can we talk about some common symptoms, some common problems that we have with an Allison transmission? 
Sure. And, and typically, the problems start to occur when you start adding power. Or if it's a truck that just is abused. And you, you, you've, everybody's seen that truck. That's the truck that has the, in fact, I just saw one the other day. It was the guy that came out and did some of our uh, excavating out here. Yeah. So it's got a giant box on the back, steel box that's full of tools. You know, it has 10,000 pounds of tools in it. He's pulling a trailer with a bobcat on it. And this is how that truck lives every day. And the truck that I'm talking about right now, he had 250,000 miles on it with the original transmission. So, You know that thing only has two speeds, too, because he works there. He doesn't own that thing. So right. it has on the floor and on the brake. Right. And that, that's the only way it's driven. Absolutely. So, But he hasn't added any power. He hasn't done any modifications to it. And they drive it. he drives it probably the same way every day. And it, it lives. As soon as you start adding power to them, we've all seen it. And typical symptoms are you're going to get a, a limp mode or you're going to get a PO700 and it'll go into limp mode. And it's usually caused by slipping clutches. Okay. Okay. That, I mean, that's simple enough, right? So right. can you describe limp mode a little bit? What are the? How do I know I'm in limp mode? Well, you'll have a check engine light will come on. Sometimes the um, shift indicator is inhibited in limp mode. It depends on the year and model. And it'll be in third gear. That is limp mode. You'll start out in third gear, and that's the only gear you're going to get. <laughs> so, um, sometimes, depending on the failure, you may not be able to put it into gear until you shut it off and restart it. Right. Um, so that's typically, but you know, you, you'll see those symptoms. You probably won't even notice when it happens. You'll just end up with the with the results of it. Right. Right. Yeah, I know. Back when I had my Kodiak, I drove the O2 Kodiak with a 84 inch cab to axle. And I mean, it had a million miles on it and, you know, I beat the shit out of it and I, I just drove it to have fun in it. And, uh, I could put it in the big tune and floor my four five upshift or really like give it hell on the, on the five, four downshift guaranteed limp mode. Every time you're on the side of the road, mm -hmm. they would just immediately limit you to third gear. It would throw the P zero 700. You look that up, you'd find like incorrect gear ratio. Right. Right, which is the clutches are slipping, and that creates an incorrect gear ratio. Right, and and we should talk about the fact that you get a PO700, you get a check engine light, and you get a PO700, that's just an indication from the ECM that you need to look at the TCM. So if you don't have a scan tool that will read the TCM, if you're just using a code reader, uh, you won't know exactly what's going on with your transmission. You'll, you'll know that the TCM has requested the ECM to turn the light on on the dash to – and to let you know that there is an issue. Yeah. And that's literally, it's literally that general. And it's important to have a nicer scan tool in your shop so you can dig into that a little closer. Absolutely. You, you cannot diagnose it without it. Yeah. I mean, I, it just can't be done. You, you can throw darts at it, but you're not going to know what you're trying to fix. You know? Well, that's, I get a lot of guys with questions about like torque converter chatter. How do I diagnose torque converter chatter? Torque converter chatter may or may not set a code. Okay. Okay. So you may not have a failure because it, what it's going to look at is is uh, RPM, input RPM, output RPM, and that's how it measures slippage on the torque converter clutch. Right. But unless you have chatter, you're not going to really know there's a failure. The chatter is exactly how it sounds. I mean, when you're applying throttle on an uphill grade or pulling a load, you'll have a drive line chatter that's usually pretty violent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll know it. 
when you've experienced it, you'll know you've experienced it. It's, there's no, there's no, uh, it's there's very, no yeah. question about it. Yeah, it, 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 it's pretty prominent. That's right. So you don't need to call anybody and ask, do you think that was torque converter chatter? If you're wondering, it probably wasn't. It'll shake it, your seat. It is, it is clearly something's right. fucked. Okay. We need to stop talking about all these failures because I've had a few failures on my transmissions over the years, and you guys are freaking bringing me back to a bad day. <laughs> and when you have a transmission failure, uh, like we talk about at TPS and Duramax Tuner, it's a very emotional thing for our customers. You know, they're spending a lot of money. They're spending a lot of time trying to repair what's going on. And it's very important to know everything about it before you start diving into something. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. Okay. Yeah, having a proper diagnosis before you go in to repair the transmission is important because you can go in and everything might look fine. That's the worst case scenario for a, a rebuilder <laughs> is that you didn't diagnose it far enough before you pulled the transmission out. Now you've taken the transmission apart and everything looks okay. So it's very important that you look far enough to, to know what you're, at least the area where you're, where the, the problem is likely to have occurred. Gotcha. Gotcha. You may not know exactly which piece broke, but you know whereabouts or at least have a good idea. This is the only thing it could be. This is the only area it could be. Right. As these trucks get newer, we get more uh, P codes that we have access to. So buy yourself a nice Tech 2 or a Solstice scanner or something uh, more expensive and do yourself a favor. Yeah. And there are some there are some other symptoms with your transmission that may not necessarily be detrimental failure. So having the Prindle display go out, if you go out one morning and your truck was fine and you, you really are a grandpa who just daily drives it and you go out and start the truck one day and the Prindle display is no good, well, that's probably not detrimental transmission failure. You know, so I think there's some other transmission symptoms that I've gotten questions about. Um, erratic shifting could or couldn't be. You, you know, like it, it that could go either way. But again, further diagnostics are needed. Further so. diagnostics, because electrical failure will still cause a, a PO700. Right. All right. So an electrical failure could be, you know, the, the park neutral switch. It could be one of the input or output sensors. It could be something as simple as a chafed wiring harness. We don't want to condemn the transmission as soon as you see a PO700 pop up because it may or may not be dead. Absolutely. It's like a doctor telling you you're sick, but how sick? Exactly. Right. <laughs> how pregnant is she, Doc? Just tell me. How fucking pregnant is she? <laughs> no, Danny and I both have done that now, for real. That's Screen. why, you know, get that code and find out and narrow it down. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk more about diagnostics. So as we're thinking, okay, I know there's a problem now. What's my next step if I'm at home? If I'm not Master Tech Phil, what do I do? Seek professional help. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, it, you know. It, it, typically, what are people going to do now? They're, they're going to Google it. Yeah. And you're going to get a thousand different opinions, ideas. My truck did a similar thing. It, you're better off having somebody at least pay the money to have it diagnosed. Right. Even if you're going to attempt to fix it on your own, have somebody diagnose it for you, because. If you start throwing darts at it, the parts inside that transmission are very expensive. Yeah. So every guess you make is an expensive guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are some basics I can do, right? So I can check out – I can do a transfluid inspection. I can at least make sure the level's full, right? Right. Well, and, and if you experience a PO700, let's say, all right, you're, you've gone into limp mode. Yeah. Stop the truck. Check the fluid. Make sure it, the fluid level is correct. 
check the condition of the fluid. You're going to want to see it, if it's noticeably burnt, dark and really dark in color. It should be a bright red. If it's really dark in color, it has a distinctive burnt smell to it. You have a problem. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. You know, you need to look further. Don't just clear the codes. No, no, no. And and you know, if your fluid looks good, the fluid levels where it's supposed to be, yet your transmission is still acting, you know, acting weird or, or doing things it shouldn't. You still need to have it diagnosed. Yeah. I mean, I, I because that's about all we can do. If you get if if I get stuck on the side of the road. That's all, I, I, that's all I can do. I can check the fluid level. I can check the condition of the fluid. I can look underneath it for massive leaks or the wiring harness ripped off of it. Yeah. Beyond that, what am I going to do? I, I do always like a visual inspection like before before I have a customer bring a truck in because I have caught a lot of stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you said, massive leaks. Hey, listen, if you got a trans line down, I diagnosed it. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> that, that's the problem. Right. All your fluids on the highway. Yeah. Then Same you know thing. you got a problem. If you get it home and you haven't done an external trans filter ever, and there's 150,000 miles on the truck, be a rocket scientist, drop the external filter, look at the magnet. There, there's a magnet on top of the external filter. So when you drop it down, there's a big circle. Look at the magnet. Is there anything stuck to it? Do I have a bunch of metal material stuck to my filter? That 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 is – it's good advice. But if you're inexperienced, you've never looked at one, they always have a little bit of stuff on they them. They do. That is true. You know, so you could get freaked out over nothing or you could underreact to something, you know. Right. So, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do. Changing the filter, but at that point, change the filter, put it back on the road, clear the codes, drive it, see what happens. Yeah. That's about all there is. I mean, it, really, that's all you can do without taking something apart, without spending a good deal of money. Just changing the fluid on one of those is a good deal of money. You know, it, it uses synthetic fluid. The filter is expensive. You yeah. know, it, it's it's all an investment. So, you know, spend your money wisely is all I can tell you. The book says if uh, you're towing heavy, uh, change your fluid every 50,000 miles. If you're not using it hard on an Allison, you can go 100,000 miles. But a lot of people, since they think they have an Allison, they can go 100-plus thousand without doing a service. Yeah, none, there, nobody said 200,000, right? Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's what we find is the guys who do have 800,000-mile Duramaxes, they know what the maintenance intervals are, right? So they're paying attention to that stuff. They're on top of it. They're in tune with it. They're aware of it. And I think that's a part of the prevention that we'll talk about here at the end. But what I'd love to dive into, Phil, is understanding what parts actually fail inside an Allison. What are the problems that we see? When you're looking at a failure that may or may not be due to adding power, let's say, and you know that you've added power to your truck or you haven't. So you've added power to the truck and now you're experiencing some kind of a failure, you're getting the PO700, you're in lip mode. Typically, the cause of that will be the, the C3, C4 clutches. They can't hold the power. So they're slipping a little bit, and it doesn't take much, and it'll set that code. The transmission is constantly, or the, EC, the TCM is constantly watching input and output speeds, input into the transmission and output out of the transmission, is watching the RPMs on those. And when it selects the next gear, it expects the result on the output shaft to change in speed. Engine RPM will change and output shaft speed should change. If it doesn't see that, and I mean within 50 RPM, it's going to set the code. Gotcha. So at that point, you know you have a problem, and typically 
It's the C3, C4 clutches are slipping. Yeah. Now the C3 clutches, they get used the most out of all of the clutch packs. Is they're that correct? Yeah, they're, they're engaged all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh. why the C3 oiler has been such a popular deal to add to a transmission. And it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't get... Extra. We don't get common lubrication there, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at a built transmission and somebody offers you the C3 oiler like in our DT750 package, it's a no-brainer. You, you really should do it. Right. It okay. keeps it cooler. I mean, it it, it adds um, – it's added lubrication. Yep. But it, it's mostly for cooling. Really? Yeah, it mostly cools the, the, that clutch pack down. That's primarily its purpose. Gotcha. Okay. What other parts are common to fail on a, in an Allison? What else would we run into once we start adding power? You're going to see, well, we talked about torque converters earlier. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the other weak link in a stock transmission. The torque converter, it has a single clutch in it. And the torque converter clutches on the diesels lock up early, early in the RPM range. They're meant to hold throughout the power band. And if you've added power or you're pulling a heavy load and you've added power, it's going to slip. You're going to push through that converter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've done it. <laughs> yeah. We've all done it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I've seen another one of them that even after they do like a mild build or, or maybe just like an intermediate build on the transmission, there's still some parts that end up failing afterwards. And that's really once we're getting into like the big high horsepower stuff. Uh, one I've seen very commonly, I don't know if it's as of the last two years that we've just seen all these more common street-driven big twin turbo trucks and things like that, but seeing a lot of P2 planetaries getting twisted apart. Well, I, yeah, and that's true, but I think the reason you're seeing more now is there's just more trucks that are built. Yeah. I mean, this whole this whole sport, this whole hobby has, has gone up a few notches over the last few years. Yeah. So, I mean, a typical truck, you know, it used to be, you know, if you had 500 horsepower in your diesel truck, you were badass. <laughs> I'm and still now, badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, not so much. Sorry, Danny. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's the difference. But the P2 Planet, that, that one is either really high horsepower or it really depends on how the driver uses the truck. Yeah. Uh, we've seen if, if your truck is prone to wheel hops, stop it unless you want to buy a P2 Planet because it's going to go. Wheel hop is one of those things that could just destroy a transmission. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it rip the case apart. We've seen it break cases, and it'll destroy a drive shaft. Oh, yeah. If you've got a two-piece drive shaft in your truck and you're, and you're letting your truck wheel hop, you're, you're going to have drive line failures left and right. You're going to be donezo. That's it. You're going to be sitting <laughs> on the side of the road looking underneath it. Okay. Okay. So I would say that horsepower plus the need of a driver mod equaling abuse is the most common cause for failure. Just people out having too much fun. I just want to say we are talking like a wheel hop situation is a no-brainer to get out of, but I can't tell you how many people don't think that way. You know, just little things like this, they continue to drive it that way and they wonder why they have a failure. Yeah, that is very true. So wheel hop, like Wheel hop generally will not happen on a tollway with your cruise control set at 60 miles an hour. So there's no point telling us that story. Um, <laughs> like wheel hop, usually like the where, where I've seen it the most for me is when we're off-road, right? So if we're running down a dirt trail with the trucks and we're hitting ruts or anything like that, wheel hop is really, really common. I've seen it get common. It guys out really beating on the trucks when you're not on a track. So if you are out on like a residential road and there's a bunch of cracks and potholes and shit like that, that's another real good place to come across wheel hop. 
80 miles an hour across a speed bump will cause wheel hop, just, just so you know. And what wheel hop is, just in case. Please, yeah. Um, it wheel hop is when the rear tires come off the ground. They, they're completely released from traction, and then the, the weight of the truck comes back down on the wheels, and now you've been hit with this huge shock to the driveline system as it gains track, traction again. Yeah. Um, wheel hop on the street is typically caused by somebody doing a burnout, running it all the way out, and when the truck starts to hook is when wheel hop occurs. Yeah. At the end of the burnie. Yeah, <laughs> when it's really starting to hook, but you know the adrenaline's flowing. We're into it. We're having a great time, ripping up the pavement. Woo! Yeah, and then the P two planetary falls out of the truck. So, I mean, that's amateur stuff. If I get into a wheel hop, I'm out of that burnout, and I'm done being Mr. Cool Guy. I mean, you're done, right? Because it's extremely expensive. The the P two planet and its associated parts will cost you over $1,000 just for those pieces. Yeah, that's no installation. No installation. That's just and to have them in your hand. For our listeners, what happens to that P2 planet? Just to it, look at it and try to um, describe that. There's a snout on it, and it's the best way I can describe it. There's a snout, a threaded snout. Yeah. It has it has uh, teeth cut in it, and it'll twist that snout off of the P2 planet. It's kind of the input for the P2 planet, and it'll twist that right off. Yeah, Absolutely. No, it's, it's it's cool looking when they go. Yeah. Like seeing that. I mean, not cool for like the truck owner, but for me who gets to look at it, like it's, it's cool. <laughs> I get it. Like you could, you you think like when you hold that piece, because that's not a small piece. I mean, no. for, like that's a, you would think this is a really badass, heavy duty piece in a diesel truck. And then you think about how much power it took to twist it. Yeah. And it is a badass piece. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think about it. You know, you go back to what we talked about earlier with the guy with the big truck. He's pulling the Bobcat, and he's been doing it for 250,000 miles, and that piece is still in there. Right. You know, so it's a badass piece, but it road shock, shock is what it is. You take it, if you push, if you hit something with your hand, you get so much force. Right. Hit it with a five-pound sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's the really what it is. Right. No, that's a great way to put it. That's the difference between just flooring your truck and now you create wheel hop. Yeah. Now you're hitting it with a five-pound sledgehammer over and over and over again. So, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. Some things that I, I've done in my truck to kind of help eliminate that or help reduce it if I get into a situation like that is I run the Merchant Automotive Transfer Case Brace. I feel like that's helped a little bit. You know, just try to strengthen that case up like we're talking about a little bit more so you don't get that flex. Yeah. Yeah, I think traction Absolutely. bars, too, I mean, help a little bit with keeping the tires on the ground. I know they're there to prevent axle wrap, but I do find trucks with traction bars Again, maybe not in the extreme burnout situation where once you're hooking up, you've made the truck more rigid, so you actually have a little bit more prone to wheel hop. Um, but I do feel like those guys, I don't know if it's just that they're more advanced with their truck. They understand their trucks a little bit better, a little bit further into their build. They don't seem to have that problem as often. But if you're that high horsepower guy, we have a hardened snout like we're talking about that we can upgrade you on. That's important if you're up around that, you know, I would, what do you think, six plus, 600 horse plus typically? Jesus. No, you pansy, 750 horsepower oh, plus. Not this again. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. But like you were saying, it matters how you drive it. It matters how you drive it. Yeah, because on the subject you just started, <laughs> the 750 horsepower, I mean, yeah, those transmissions, our transmissions, will hold that kind of power with no problem. It depends on how you drive it. Yeah. I will say if you have 40-inch tires and you're looking at like a 750-horsepower build, 
you're going to want to do a P2 planetary. I don't, I don't think that you need one at 650, but if you drive it really hard and you beat the shit out of it really hard, maybe. Maybe that's something you should consider. I will agree with you. Perfect. On that. So we can move forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Because well, I don't want to get into a whole other episode. Let's about talk this. about some other fixes for the Allison. I totally agree, Danny. Okay. So <laughs> if we're looking at improving what our shortcomings are with the Allison, what what goes into building one? What goes into fixing the problems from the factory? Well, as we talked about, the C3 and C4 clutches are usually the reason that it's slipping. They can't hold the power. So what holds the power in a transmission is the friction material on the clutches. The clutch kits we use have more friction material. That's pretty I mean, simple. I mean, it's really, it's not rocket science. It, it, <laughs> we, we use, and it, the modifications made to the transmission, uh, pistons and housings um, allow us to put more clutches in them. Gotcha. So if you add more friction material, we use a, a better grade of friction material than what comes in the factory transmission. Um, so it helps hold it better. And, and we're increasing the pressures behind the pistons. So you have more, more clamping power and it holds better. I mean, it's, it's really... That's it. Okay, so, so we good. increase holding capacity with clutches and steels. Exactly. Okay. I know we also add a shift kit to them. That's where the pressure comes from. Okay, so that, that's where we're actually able to apply pressure to our clutches and steels. They get a triple-disc billet torque converter because we talked about the single-clutch torque converter just not being enough. Right. And it's the same theory. We're adding more friction material. Right. And that's it. And, you know, apply more pressure to more friction material. It holds better. Okay. Now, one thing is I think once we talk about opening up the transmission and we're rebuilding all of the internals, it's really common for guys to say the electronics were good when it came in, rebuild all of this that we just talked about and ship it back out. Why does Duramax Tuner not do it that way? Because if you spend the money that it takes to, to buy one of our transmissions and, and whether you have the electronics in or don't put the electronics in because yours were fine, what happens a month from now with, when a sensor fails? What happens a month from now when the shift indicator fails and you're still stranded on the side of the road? That doesn't change. <laughs> so now, like Danny was talking about earlier, this is a traumatic event. When your transmission fails, this is a big deal. This yeah. is not a, this is not a, my car needs brakes. Okay. <laughs> this is a big deal. So then you drive it for a month and, and now you're still stranded on the side of the road. You have to pay for a tow. You have, we're trying to avoid that. Okay. By building them all the same way, putting all the electronics in, try to avoid failures down the road. So I priced out the electronics. If you were to do it, um, it's right around a thousand dollars. Yeah, by right. the time you're done with everything that goes with them. So for people to reuse the electronics, when um, you could just do it right up front and pay a little bit up front and not have to worry about it, we'd rather see that. Yeah, because no, we know it's going to fail. Well, and think about, and this is what our customers should think about, is that how long did that transmission last before you came to us? If we put in, now it started out life with all new electronics, everything was new inside of it. How long did it last? Yeah. Think about it that way. So now you have improved the power. You, we're going to give you an improved transmission, better holding power, all new electronics. You're starting from square one again. Yeah. It's the right way to do it. Okay. That makes sense. How many times have we seen people have to spend money in the same place? And it's so frustrating for um, a, a customer to have to do that, no matter if it's injectors, if it's transmission work. I mean, it's tough when you have to spend it twice. Are you saying people don't want to spend money fixing the same part multiple times? Nobody wants to do that, Paul. <laughs> 
That's insane. <laughs> okay, so let's talk prevention. How do I keep myself out of being broken on the side of the road? If, if my only goal in life is to stick at a tune truck at near stock power levels and I just want to tool around and have fun, what are some of the things I can do to keep myself out of having to have a failed transmission? Danny, I know you had one. I've had, yeah, some transmission failures. Um, one time, I'll openly admit, because I want to use this as a learning uh, deal, because I learned the hard way, um, always redo the things inside the transmission. And what I mean by that is like, the bearings, um, the seal kit. I mean, I, you, I reused my bearings once, and the trans had around 200000 on it. Um, I didn't want to order the parts because I was anxious to get my trans together because I had a pole coming up. And I said, hey, you know, let's let's toss it back in there. And long story short, probably about uh, 30 hooks later and maybe uh, 50,000 miles, I was driving home from Colorado. It been a long drive. And um, I uh, tore up the bearing that rides on the input shaft. Oh. It, and I was in third gear, and I was only one mile away from my house, and I'm a big Packer fan, and uh, Packers are about ready to kick off, and I'm thinking, oh, I only have a mile left. I, I can hit the clear P700, get that out of there, and I'll make it home and watch the Packer game and have a beer with my old man. I haven't seen him in a while. And, uh, yep, I'm on the side of the road with uh, fluid coming out of the overflow and then getting on my exhaust. Now I have a smoking LBZ on the side of the road, and – I'm missing kickoff, man. I mean, that's still better than watching a Packers game, so I don't know why yeah, you're absolutely. upset. Oh, you guys, man. Freaking, I bleed green and gold, so, hey, I'm going to stand up for That's another podcast. I have a piece of Lambeau Field in my backyard from the old uh, turf, the old uh, um, field. I'm they sure. were selling it. Magic so. beans from that guy who was uh, yeah, trading for the cow as well, too, huh? Hey, you know, I'm a shareholder. <laughs> I own a piece of Lambeau in my backyard, and, and life couldn't be better for me. Okay, okay. So Danny's saying that you should make sure when you do open up the transmission, you do everything right. That's a great way to prevent having multiple failures. Or like you said, being in the worst case scenario where you have to spend money on the same part twice. I know awareness is another big one. Be aware of what you're doing. You know, we talked a lot today about potential driver issues that can cause transmission failures. Pretty much be fucking smart. I mean, right. just it, it's a right. transmission. It's not a bulletproof piece of billet steel. Like, it, use it, it can as, break. Yeah, use it as designed. All right. You know, it's designed to be operated a certain way. Now, a after you have, you know, you've done the modifications that we do to our DT750, you can modify the way you drive it. Right. You know, but if it's a stock transmission and all you've got is a tune in the truck, you can still break that transmission. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then I think that brings me to my last point about uh, prevention, and that's proper tuning. So a lot of times Danny and I will get requests when we're over at Duramax Tuner, guys asking, hey, I have a stock trans, but I want to put built trans tunes on it. What do I risk? I feel like that's very obvious, but we're going to say it here on the podcast. You risk breaking your transmission. So if you match up the tuning for what you have now, you can always upgrade your tuning when you upgrade your parts later. That's the cool part about custom tuning. So just be smart. You got an expensive truck put the proper tuning on it so the truck so you get the best out of it absolutely Excellent. absolutely why wear those hard parts down if it's not necessary yeah i'm right there with you awesome guys well i think this was a very good uh in-depth review of p0700 troubleshooting and allison transmission uh troubleshooting in general phil thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate you taking your time out to come and talk to us well, thanks for having me <laughs> outro applause well i'll tell you what he's a master certified tech and we appreciate the history you shared with us today Absolutely. This has been Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode. If you'd like to get more information about P0700, 
Allison transmissions or the DT750, go over to DuramaxTuner.com and click on the Diesel Tuners blog. That's going to kick you up to the most recent article I, I published about P0700 and Allison troubleshooting. Make sure you request more information, and thanks so much for listening. Calibrated Power Solutions, the leading North American developer of clean diesel power and home of DuramaxTuner.com, is the proud sponsor of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped tunes for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out calibratedpower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. To reach out to the Diesel Performance Podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email paul at duramaxtuner.com or danny at duramaxtuner.com. I was racing a 2.8, and I was telling people, don't be hating when I'm 2.8. <laughs> He's been waiting since Saturday, Saturday to Friday, for you that line to get it into a podcast. Oh, I love man. it.